Hi, my name's Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 31st of July. Well, coming up in today's episode of the podcast, I have an extraordinary interview with Michael E. Gerber, a name uh, uh, that it will be very, very familiar to many of you. He is, of course, the author of the uh, extremely well-known and well-read E-Myth series of books on entrepreneurship and small business. So, uh, yeah, uh, very powerful interview. A uh, very personal interview in many ways, so uh, I, I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, see what you think. Be very interested to have your feedback on what you think of the interview after uh, you've listened to it. Do do send me your feedback, but certainly something special to look forward to. Okay, well, other than that, I'm really pleased to say that Small Biz Pod is once again the, a media partner with Going Solo. You'll remember that that is a conference for experienced and uh, potential freelancers. So if you're thinking about becoming a freelancer or going solo, taking the plunge, then becoming a consultant, then this is the conference for you. It's a one-day conference, and rather than being in Lausanne, uh, it is in, uh, it's going to be in Leeds, uh, this time around, so much closer for many of you, if a little less glamorous. Although Leeds these days is pretty glamorous, I reckon. Um, so yeah, Leeds on the September on September the twelfth. And if you want to check out uh, the, some of the speakers, and I mean the, the speakers are a, a great array of speakers. Some of the best known um, web consultants and freelancers and writers uh, on the internet. Uh, Dennis Howlett. Uh, Laura Fitton, Stowe Boyd, um, Sue Charman, and of course Steph Booth herself. So well worth going to uh, if you think you if you already are a, free, a freelancer and need to hone your your skills, um, negotiating, time management, um, and so on and so forth, work life balance, um, lots of practical advice at the conference. So please um, do check it out. Um, Leeds08.going-solo.net. Um, is the web address, and I'll put all the details in the show notes. The good news is that I've managed to get you 30% off. Well, at least two of you, anyway. Uh, two of you will get 30% off the price um, as long as you can answer uh, one of the a question, which I'll put to you at the end of the episode. So it'll be a question on this episode. Just send me the answer to alex at smallbizpod.co.uk and the winner will get 30% off either the early bird price, which is 150 quid, or if you're slow, um, the full price, which is 220 quid. So yeah, there you are, um, 30% off for two lucky listeners. <coughs> Excuse me. If uh, you just fancy, if you missed that opportunity and you fancy going along anyway, you're in the area... Um, do just pop in the uh, Small Biz Pod tracking code SBPREF uh, when you order your tickets or mention and mention that uh, it was through us, the wonderful Small Biz Pod, that you decided to uh, um, yeah to, to sign up to the conference. Then that would be cool because um, as media partners we get a little special rate there, so uh, that would be nice. I hope you enjoy it if you go. Uh, look forward to hearing you, you, those speedy replies to uh, answers to the questions at the answer to the question at the end of the show for those who would like thirty percent off. Just two of you mind? Okay. Other than that, uh, I what have I got? Oh yeah, the Facebook group. Over four hundred people now on our Facebook group, which is really really cool. Thank you to all of you who have signed up. 
uh, just means we can stay in touch once in a while. Uh, and it's nice to see faces and names and so on and so forth and connect and do a bit of networking. So that's really cool. Occasionally I uh, try and answer some questions and uh, I, other people do too. So that's very nice. Uh, if Everybody seems to be on Facebook. So if you are, um, do pop by. Sign up to the Facebook group, friend. Be become a friend of mine, Alex Bellinger, uh, and uh, yeah, that would be cool. Good to see. It would be good to see you there. The more, the merrier. Okay. Other than that, let's just go straight into the interview for this week. Right. Well, I'm here today, uh, and it's a great pleasure to be here with Michael E. Gerber who uh, many of you will know from uh, the E-Myth series of, of books, one of the best-known uh, experts and gurus, that's although I sometimes worry about using that word, on entrepreneurship and small business. Uh, Michael E. Gerber, welcome to Small Biz Pod. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Let's, let's talk about how you came to write this new book. The new book is called Awakening the Entrepreneur Within How Ordinary People Can Create Extraordinary Companies. And a large element of this book is in relation to the dream. Tell us how you came to dream up this second business idea for yourself. Well, like um, anything that's ever happened to me in my life, it was a, um, a happenstance. It came about as the result of a decision I made completely unrelated to it. Um, I had reached a certain point in my business career at the creation of my company, E-Myth Worldwide, um, almost 30 years, uh, that it was time for me to bring somebody else in uh, to do what I was doing. And so I did. Um, with some struggle and some search, we found exactly the right man, um, and brought him in to be the chief executive officer of the company. And uh, suddenly, um, I was the uh, operating chairman of the company, mm. meeting three hours a month in a board meeting um, with nothing else to do other than to write and to speak, which I spend a great deal of time doing, of course. Well, it wasn't long before the absence of working on it as well as working in it, mm. uh, began to take its toll. And suddenly I, I came to question, now what? Mm. And the now what question is a big question, and especially when you reach uh, my age. I was 69 when that occurred. Mm -hmm. I'm 72 uh, as of uh, two days ago. Uh -huh. um, and the now what question um, drove the deeper question, which was what had I achieved in what I'd done? Mm. Um, what did E-Myth Worldwide do, or even better yet, what did it fail to do um, that would enable me to perhaps discover a new passion? Mm. And in a conversation with my brother-in-law, Marty Sklar, who's um, the um, executive chairman of Disney Imagineering and had um, 50 years working uh, at Disney mm. in a key position, uh, Marty is the only gentleman who opened every one of the parks at Disney ah. and worked hand-in-hand uh, -hand with Walt Disney. He was essentially uh, Walt's right-hand guy when it came to the parks, not the operator, yeah. but the inventor Yeah, yeah, yeah. as a part of Disney Imagineering. Um, he told me that Walt one day got sick and tired in a meeting, asked everybody to disperse, come back the next morning at 8 o'clock. And when they came back, there was a sign in the door that said, Welcome to the Dreaming Room. 
And nobody had seen the sign before, but of course that's the signature of Walt Disney. Mm. Nobody had ever seen what Walt did mm. before until Walt did it or began to do it. And in the meeting, he handed out everybody's new cards. And the new cards were um, um, the um, uh, Disney Imagineering. So suddenly people were Disney Imagineers. And Walt said, we'll no longer have meetings like we had yesterday. Because at Disney Imagineering, indeed at Disney itself, we're here to pursue the impossible. We're here to discover what we don't know, mm. not to reiterate what we do. We're here to create. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the beginning of an extraordinary period in Walt Disney's life, in the company's life, mm. and certainly in in the industry of um, parks like the Disney parks, which had never, ever been done before. Yeah. yeah. Um, that told me there was something to do. Um, in addition to that, my mother told me, and as I was describing to her my um, chaotic state of mind. She said, mm. sounds like something, uh, it's time to do something new. Mm. Mm. And, um, that plus the story led me to say, I'm going to create a dreaming room. And in December of 2005, I did my first 35 people were invited to come dream with me, uh, for two and a half days. When asked what would happen, I told them I have no clue. Uh, because if I had a clue, we wouldn't be dreaming. Yeah. If yeah. I had a clue, we wouldn't be here to pursue the impossible. Mm. We'd hear, be here to pursue the inevitable, which mm. is to repeat the past, mm. uh, perhaps a bit differently, perhaps a different, uh, more creatively, but certainly not um, um, historically. Yeah. And so here we're to create something new, and that's what the entrepreneur means to me. It meant awakening the entrepreneur within these first 35 people who came to dream with me mm. uh, with a blank piece of paper and beginner's mind is the way I expressed it, meaning don't come prepared. Yeah. And if you do, you'll be sadly disappointed <laughs> because we'll disrupt your preparedness immediately. Yeah, yeah. How I was going to do it, I didn't know. That I was going to do it, I was absolutely certain. And I've done 38 Dreaming Rooms since then, just about ready to the point to replicate myself doing it. So the intent is to um, start Emith all over again. One generally imagines dreams to be somewhat uh, ethereal and intangible. How do you bring those together, those two, the hard-edged, systematic business process with a vision. Well, that's that's really the point, isn't it? Because yeah. that's what great entrepreneurs have always done and will always do. Um, I'm simply putting a form to it. And so um, there was something that Ray Kroc did. The way Ray Kroc did it, even though Ray Kroc would not really be able to tell you how he came to do it other than the fact that he bumped into it he didn't invent mcdonald's the mcdonald brothers did mm. um, he simply exploited it he simply did it bigger better um, in a way that nobody ever imagined it would but if anybody could have um, developed insight about a franchise prototype Ray Kroc did when he saw his very first McDonald's. Yeah. This is scalable. Yeah. This can be yeah. done many, 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 many thousands of times, which truly is the secret of McDonald's. Yeah. 
It's not just that this could be done many, 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 many thousands of times, but it could be done as well as the very first time, many thousands of times. The rigor, the discipline of the system was key Mm -hmm. because Ray Kroc saw the rigor of the system as the true brand. If you couldn't scale it, if you couldn't um, replicate it, Mm. if you couldn't faithfully do it again and again and again and again, there was something missing in this picture. There was something wrong with the system. If you could, you suddenly had the secret to transformation. And so to me, McDonald's is not McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To me, it's not my infatuation with hamburgers or <laughs> French fries. <laughs> to me, it's the fact that Ray Kroc did what every entrepreneur truly aspires to do, mm. to create something great. Yeah. But one cannot create something great unless one creates something great. And that means at the very beginning of it. So there's a model there, and it was the model there that so um, enticed me into Mm -hmm. making that the core of my communication. Now, you understand I could just as easily be talking about Starbucks or Subway or anybody and everybody, because in essence, it's the the metaphor of the magic of systems thinking. But having said that, um, there's an inspiration at one moment in someone's life that creates the exegesis of that. And that is the exciting thing. It's how then does one engage people who have yet to ever create a company, who have no experience in creating a company, and awaken the entrepreneur within them? There had to be a process. Um, I'm very, very process. How to do what? Um, what to do is obviously the significant question, but how to do it is the key because if one doesn't figure out how to do that, what, whatever it is you're inspired to do, um, it will all come to nothing, which is the state of small business worldwide. Mm -hmm. It comes to nothing. At one point you say in this, in this new book, you know, 80% is a a well, a well-known figure, 80% 80 of small businesses fail. And you contend that the reason that they fail is because they don't have a compelling dream. What do you mean by that? Well, there's no great, great result in mind. It's so personal. Um, the primary reason people go into business is either they want a job and can't get one or don't have a job and need one. And the only recourse they have is to create a job for themselves. So they become Mm self-employed. Most businesses are simply self-employment for a person who is looking for um, an alternative to not working or working in a bum job they don't like. Mm -hmm. So it's very personal. It's for me. Yeah. Well, the entrepreneur is not about me, even though one might think when you meet an entrepreneur, um, how narcissistic they may appear to be. <laughs> the truth is, it's not about me at all. Yeah. About me is a stupid idea, because if it's about me, it's not going to work for them, and they're the ones who are going to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's about them. So it's other-directed, not inner-directed. And if it's other-directed, then one has to truly become a master of business design to understand what it is that's missing in their picture. Mm. And I'm talking about the specific consumer, one's 
um, dedicated to pursue mm. and how one is going to put that missing piece in place. Yeah. That's what entrepreneurs do. Yeah. Entrepreneurs design a company as a solution to a very large demographic um, problem that effectively no one else has thought up yet. Doesn't that rule out most small business owners? Isn't, the, isn't the, the truth here that there are small businesses and then there are entrepreneurs and the really big businesses, the businesses that truly do something extraordinary uh, are not the same as your average small business? Well, absolutely. The average small business is a solution um, to the owner's problem. Yeah. Um, on the way to hopefully being a solution to his customer's problem, her customer's problem. Um, somebody needs a plumber, I'm a plumber, mm. I'll go do it. Mm. Uh, somebody needs a, a mechanic, I'm an auto mechanic, I'll go do it. So I go to work, doing it, doing it, doing it, as I say, busy, 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 doing what I know how to do, not inventing what I don't. Yes. The entrepreneur invents what he or she doesn't know how to do in order to deliver something that's never been delivered before in exactly the way the entrepreneur conceives it. So that's what's missing mm. in all small businesses. Mm. Mm. So small businesses are an answer to nobody's question. <laughs> in other words, um, yeah. nobody but the owner who says, what am I going to do tomorrow? I've got to create a job. Mm. I'm going to become self-employed. And then you go to work for a lunatic <laughs> right? with no passionate end game in sight yeah. and it's the passion for that end game what i call the dream to be which mm -hmm. is the great result yes what is the great result what is the meaning of your company is a question vcs venture capitalists should be asking mm. um, but rarely do ask mm. um, they're essentially asking where's the money and entrepreneurs don't ask, where's the money? The money comes later. The idea comes first. Yeah. I'm interested to, 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 to understand how you came to the point or why you've come to the decision that you need to do e-myth again, except better than you did it the first time, personally. Um, I'm now 72. Uh, my mother just passed away um, several weeks ago at 96. My father passed away at 49. So someplace between 49 and 96 is the time I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, the last possible thought in my mind is that all I'll do is I'll rest between now and then. Mm -hmm. Meaning I'll simply relax yeah. and see how long I can stay here yes right you know maybe i'll beat mom uh, no that, that's a terrible idea yeah, yeah, so yeah. everybody's got to do something yeah. and the question is what does an entrepreneur do so i have a large sized entrepreneurial spirit in me mm -hmm. um different perhaps than ray Kroc, different perhaps than howard schultz different than perhaps michael dell um but um, certainly a very, very strong entrepreneurial spirit in me, which is the creator within. Um, I love to create. Mm -hmm. um, I love to write. I love to create. I love to invent. I, like, I love to imagine. Mm -hmm. And um, to stop that would mean to stop living. And so I keep doing this, pursuing this, because I haven't done it yet. I've done something. Mm -hmm. I've done something that... 
um, hopefully when I die will have a, a, a meaning after I'm gone that other people can do, emulate, and pursue. Uh, I know that to be true, but still I haven't really solved the great problem. And the great problem is how to awaken the entrepreneur within every single human being on the face of this earth who can suddenly understand what entrepreneurship truly is in what I call this age of the new entrepreneur. The entrepreneur invents the world. If we're born in the image of God, I like to say, then we're born to create. Create what? Create heaven on earth. Well, we're a long way from that. I just read yesterday in the newspaper here in the UK that you still haven't figured out about how to do the flood thing yet. (laughs) And so I'm looking at 11,000 people who were um, moved out of their homes because of the floods just last year, exactly at the same time, and nobody solved the problem yet. Are they expecting to wait until God decides there shall be no rain? Or is somebody truly um, engaged in creating as Walt Disney did, as Michael Dell did, as uh, the founder of FedEx did, as all great entrepreneurs do, Um, What's missing in this picture? What, in fact, could solve that problem um, in such a way that we never have to be concerned about that again? There's an opportunity there. Government doesn't solve those problems. Government doesn't do entrepreneurship. But entrepreneurs could. I'm simply trying to discover the way to engage every single human being I could speak to to say, It's your turn. Mm. You could. And that's how great companies are created. And small companies are not great companies until they become great companies. And they become great companies when the idea in that small company has scale and is transformational and the impact it has on the people it touches. How important is legacy to the entrepreneur and to you? I don't believe it's the legacy that's a matter of uh, interest, Mm. though I know Entrepreneurs have said that, mm. um, and oftentimes when they get old and dotty, they say that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So now it's about legacy because they're coming to the point where they could possibly not be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't believe it's it's legacy. I don't I, I don't need anybody to remember me after I'm gone. Um, I just need to do it while I'm here. So it's change the world or go home is a phrase that, uh, that change the world or go home. Yeah. I mean. Let's pursue something we don't have the possibility of knowing how to do. When I started this odyssey of mine um, in 1977, started my company, Emith Worldwide, which then was the Michael Thomas Corporation. Mm. It wasn't Emith Worldwide. This was pre-Emith. Mm. Understand the idea for it was Emith. I just never used the words. Yeah. My first editor of my first book, um, told me, do you know what this is? This is e-myth. I said, what's that? He said, it's the entrepreneurial myth. I said, well, of course it is. And that's when the, the, the phrase was coined. Yeah. yeah. But um, essentially, the idea of this, the, the critical and fundamental idea of this starts at the very beginning of yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's changed since that first idea occurred to me. Nothing's changed since I had the dream that I could transform small business worldwide. Um, And if I couldn't, somebody could. Mm. But there had to be a way to do it. And the way to do it is what I've been about 
And so I'm suggesting I didn't know anything about business when I started this. Mm. Not at all. Mm. And I discovered subsequent to that, that nobody who has created a great business truly had any experience in creating a great business. Um, they were simply guys who did whatever the hell they did, but they suddenly had a great idea and they suddenly were passionately determined to pursue it. So help me God. Mm. That's essentially the way it was, mm. um, even though it was ridiculous in the minds of everybody else. So that's the energy. How to bring that to um, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Mary, and Jane, how to bring that fever mm, mm. Um, to every single ordinary person walking down the street with their humdrum life, without what they wish they had, um, not ever becoming famous, not ever becoming a rock star, not ever becoming this or becoming that, just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and then we die. There's got to be a better way, and that's what the Dreaming Room was all about, and that's what my new book is about, to inspire people to do exactly what I've done exactly what I've done mm. and to give them a way to do that. Because mm. if I don't give them a way to do that, if I simply throw it to the winds and say, become inspired, um, well, I'll just be another idiot. Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so asking yeah. people and prevailing yeah. people yeah. to do something yeah. that nobody knows how to do. Yeah. And this, of course, extends beyond creating a business, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. This goes way beyond creating a business because I'm not really interested in no. business. I don't read business books. Oh. Um, people ask me, have you heard this? Have you read that? Have you listened? No, I'm not interested. I'm not interested because I don't need to read business books to discover what a business could be. A mm. business is about a result. Mm. A result is never about the business. Yeah. The result has nothing to do with the business. The result has to do with the consumer. The result has to do with a society. The result has to do with a state. The result has to do with a whatever. Or a family. Of course. Yeah. It has to do with people. Yeah. And so a business is simply, um, in the best way of thinking about it, um, a channel for producing a result. Well, it can either be an uninspired channel mm. or it can be an inspired channel for producing that result. I'm suggesting if it's an uninspired channel, then we lead uninspired lives, which is a deadly, mm. deadly mm. way to live. Mm. And unfortunately, most people do. Mm. And they settle for that. Mm. And I'm essentially saying, shame on you. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. shame, shame, shame on you. You deserve the flood. Um, in other words, um, get Noah. You deserve <laughs> the flood. Yeah. Um, get beyond this. Yeah. You deserve disease. Get beyond this. And beyond this means take responsibility. Um, become charged with the opportunity, understanding that nobody made up the way to make up what we do and what we suffer and how we get what we truly want. Nobody made up the way to do that. That's what I'm attempting to do to enable you to be able to understand that entrepreneurship is not um, something you're born with other than the spirit of being human. Mm. And so I'm suggesting that people's spirit of being human has been laid aside simply to get by. And to get by is death. 
it reminds me of there's a there's a famous English poet called Browning who wrote um, several poems about uh, um, Renaissance painters. One called Fra Lippo Lippi, and the 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 main point of those poems is about human reaching for continual reaching for the next thing. Yes. Um, and it is that that's the human imperative isn't it is the it's the, it the human imperative is to continue striving for the next thing the next thing the next thing the next thing and it's what you're doing at 6972 um still and what um if you can inspire others to continue to do that for the for the for, for the remainder of their lives um and their children's lives that's going to be a massive uh, massive impact. And I, and I believe that. But I believe that the next thing isn't on this plane. And so there's such a thing as a hierarchy. And all the world, all the universe, um, everything tells us that it's a hierarchy. Um, it's a higher thing. It's a higher thing. It's a higher thing. Um, the problem is, because of our limited exercise of our imaginations um, and because of our fear of loss, um, fear of losing what we've got, mm. fear of losing what we've earned, um, fear of losing uh, my e-myth title mm. for blowing it, trying to do something <laughs> that I can't possibly yes. do. Well, I knew Gerber had his head up. It's all of that to the degree we can get beyond that. Mm. we then begin to discover something we never saw before. Yeah. And it's like being a stranger in a strange land. We never saw that before. I never knew that was possible. Well, to discover that, that is endless. Um, that suggests some magic to this, that we who simply stay where we are, living in the valley, living in the valley, living in the valley, never stepping foot on the mountain, um, we who stay there or, or sidle up and build a house someplace on the mountain but stop climbing, um, we who do that give up what it means to be alive. And so I'm suggesting this is all about being alive and exactly what Browning said. Mm. But it's not pursuit of the possible, more and more and more of it, excess, greed, it's about pursuit of the impossible, something I don't even know exists, mm. simply because my imagination tells me I don't know most of what's true in the universe. Don't know it. Don't know it. We'll, we'll never see the face of God. So what's missing in this picture is the great question. And if more people were curious sufficiently to persist with asking that question, they would begin to discover how inventive we as human beings are. It's that inventiveness mm -hmm. that Einstein said is significantly more important than knowledge. I don't have to know how I can discover it by inventing it. That's entrepreneurship. That's what I'm all about. Michael Gerber, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, a tremendous interview there. I think uh, you can really, really uh, feel the kind of evangelistic passion behind uh, Michael Gerber's um, work and, and desire to to see people uh, make the most of their entrepreneurial spirit, really. So, I mean, ex uh, as I said, an extraordinary interview. Be very interested to hear your views on what you what you thought um, about what Michael had to say in that interview, as ever. Always very keen to have your feedback. You can leave audio comments if you go to the Small Biz Pod homepage. 
um, dial one of the numbers on the front or Skype me, leave a message and I'll play your comment in audio. Or you can just simply email me alex at smallbizpod.co.uk and let me know what you thought of today's episode or indeed any other episode. Um, Good friend of the show, Dak Sharma. Um, in India, uh, listen to the uh, great episode on the um, entrepreneurial train journey through India, the, the Jagriti Yatra, um, and uh, says, yeah, great stuff, love the interview. And he's somebody who really appreciates my music choices too. I think I'm slowly beginning to convert a large amount of you to um, towards electron- electronica, but actually a slight change of mood in this episode. So uh, some of you may actually be, be happy with my with the change of mood. So um, yeah, well, enough of the music. Anyway, uh, yeah, one other thing. Um, iTunes, Apple iTunes has just launched um, their kind of video podcast charts. Now, BizPod TV, which you can check out at bizpodtv.com, is uh, already in the top kind of 50 60 area of the charts now i would love to see bizpod tv shoot to the top of the video charts so if you fancy it's only four or five minutes long do check it out go to bizpodtv.com if you click on the itunes there's a little kind of a disky logo uh, thing which would subscribe you to the podcast on itunes that'd be really really cool because i would love to see what a combined effort a small bizpod listeners could do to uh yeah to see BizPod TV flying high in the charts, that would be... I don't ask you to do much often, but I'm always giving you stuff, so do something for me. That would be cool. Thanks. Anyway, no, uh, seriously, um, would be nice to see uh, some iTunes subscribers for BizPod TV. Now, uh, yes, the question. My question to you is, if you want 30% off of the tickets for Going Solo Leeds on, in September the 12th, then uh, the question I have is, what was the job title and organisation of Michael Gerber's brother-in-law? Okay, send me answers to alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. The first two get 30% off the Going Solo conference. Can't say fairer than that. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Uh, the music is, uh, because we've had a few days summer, I wanted to play something a bit more chill-outy. I've been listening to some online chill-out radio, Groove Salad in particular, always worth checking out. So uh, here's a track, thanks to Iota Promonet. It's by a woman called Vanessa Dow, and it's called Mess Around. <laughs> Oh, so-
goodbye, goodbye.